office, baby! Woo! For my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. You, between you, me, between rock everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. You don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Welcome to episode 74 of Blue Harvest, a Star Wars podcast. I'm your host, Halls Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. Back at you again, feeling a little more lucid this week than I was last week. I wonder how uh, tangenty this episode will get because we don't have a lot of news to cover. Uh, but we got some emails, and we will definitely cover those. We got some longings. Um, uh, before... We do all that. Let me just go ahead and give you guys the business real quickly. Follow us, like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Blue Harvest Pod and at Will Witten 3. That's me. Email us questions and comments and such at Blue Harvest Podcast at gmail.com. And you can buy our shit, shirts, notebooks. I always bring up those notebooks. Always bringing up those notebooks. Because they're good notebooks. They are good notebooks. I love my Blue Harvest notebook. Um, and stuff at tpublic.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. Faltered a little bit on the business just there. And a professional podcaster would be like, hold up. Let me record that. Not me, <laughs> sir. Not me. Hold so, up. Let <laughs> me get my dollar. How's, uh, how's your week been, buddy? It's been good. It's been very good. Nice, nice. I uh, I've had a busy one with work and whatnot this week. Yeah, not not getting you down. I hope. No, no, it's all over now. So, you know, got the weekend ahead of me. Got my video game console staring at me. Picked up Titanfall two today. Ooh, check that out. Some big Ooh. robot action. Dude, that that gets me excited. You know, calling down a big robot and then climbing up in it and wreaking havoc. That's why you're the Ash Crusher. Boom, boom. So, um, like I said, not a lot of Star Wars news. I mean, we, you know, we had the Rogue One trailer and then the Donald Glover announcement. Um, the juicy bits. Back to back. So it only makes sense that this week would be a little quieter. Um, and just some little bits here and there, like uh, Michael Giacchino, the composer for Rogue One that I am so excited about. 
recently did a sort of an interview and said that he can't wait for everyone to hear Jen Urso's theme. Oh, that makes me excited and wondering why. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he, you know, he's just maybe proud of what he did. It's going to be interesting. I don't know if we'll ever get the answer on if that original guy did any of the work and if they're using that or if Michael Giacchino. I said his name wrong. It's Giacchino. 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 If Michael WNBC. <laughs> if Michael Giacchino uh, had to start from scratch. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, let's see. What else? There was, uh, well, you know, we talked about Donald Glover last week. He did an interview uh, where he talked about telling his parents that he got the role and his dad was super excited and his mom said, um, don't mess it up. Don't mess it up. So. Oh, that's harsh. <laughs> Dude, that's harsh coming from your mom. Right? I mean, if I told my mom I was in Star Wars, she'd be like, mm, I don't know about all this. Well, honey. Well, house. I, I mean, uh, you better. I, I don't know what to say. Gonna be in a Star Wars. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna have to watch that on DVD. <laughs> I love the way my mom says DVD. DVD. Your mom, your mom's a sweet lady. She is. She is super sweet. She's sassy, sassy Peachy. lady. Peachy. Well, mom, you just gotta give me a second. I'm coming. Trying to make you a cup of coffee. Um. If shoes are made out of tussie, you'd never need another pair in your life. Oh, my Lord. That's my grandmother. <laughs> I know, but that's not my it mom. was oh too my perfect God. to pass up. One day, maybe, one day we'll get into some nunny stories. We'll tell some stories about my grandmother. Dude, because I've been around for some of those, and they are classic. My grandmother is a perv. A total perv. She's not a perv. Well, she is. A perv may be a little strong. She's, oh, she's not afraid to t talk about racy issues, but she does so in this classy lady 1950s kind of way. Ye kind of. I have heard my grandmother say some stuff that would make a sailor blush, and it really? never includes cursing. Um, right. I was about to say. See, that's the thing. She, she has a way of handling those kinds of things with a class. She, but they're uh, still, you know, she's since. she's she's big against the cursing. My grandmother, right? Yeah. Uh, in fact, I think the only thing I've ever heard her say was shit. And um, she, that, that for one, that's one reason she can never hear this podcast. I'd be excommunicated from the family. Well, I can't believe what he was saying on that podcast about the Star Wars. All uh, right, talking <laughs> about Chewbacca's wingy dangy. And Darth Vader dilly doos. Darth Vader dilly doos. Oh yeah, my grandmother knows what a dildo is. She calls it a dilly do. Calls it a dilly do. Uh, stories for remember, another time. Right, right. <laughs> oh man, yeah, uh, yeah. It, it used to be a thing. Like when my friends would come over to my grandmother's house for dinner, I would get her going talking about dilly doos. And, and he he can do it. Like Hawes has the ability to wind her up. In a way that you wouldn't believe. He knows the buttons to press and in which order to press them. I wish I could get her, like, because 
it wouldn't really fit in with the format of the podcast. It wouldn't be Star Wars related, but I really want to sit down and try to get her on microphone talking about that stuff. It doesn't, you know what? Ask her a couple questions about Star Wars. About, do you remember anything about how much I used to like Star Wars? And she should be like, well, honey, you were crazy for Star Wars. Like, and then you could go into the bunch of the other stuff. And that would be, dude, that would be quality listening for our entire <laughs> fan base. Like, any, yeah. any, anybody that listens to us would want to listen to that because she's hilarious. Yeah. You know what? I, um, maybe I can figure out some because, but she's going to think it's so weird. Like, Hey, I'm going to bring all this computer equipment over to your house and, and record you talking about stuff. You may have to warm her up. Like, you may have well, to... Well, because I can't tell her about the podcast. That's the thing. Nunny yeah. cannot hear the podcast. No. She would not And you're going to, you approve. know, your cousin, you're going to have to swear them to a, an oath of secrecy because they'll expose you. They like to... Oh, see, this is the thing. The podcast, it, like family functions and stuff, has been brought up before in front of Nunny, but it just sort of goes over her head a little bit. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, she, you know, she's an eighty-something-year-old lady. I don't think she knows what a podcast is, but yeah. and it's never intentional. It's not like they're trying to throw me under the bus. But Jesse's done it. Like the last time we saw my grandmother and my mom uh, was over at my cousin Courtney's house, and they were like, "Well, what have you guys been up to?" and I was like, work, I'm just been real busy. And she was like, and Jesse was like, yeah. And he records two podcasts a week and has to edit them and get them up online. And you and my mom knows about the podcast. Um, yeah. But I mean, like you might as well told my grandmother, like, oh, I was going to Mars in my free time. <laughs> like, he was studying quadratic equations. And I just and, changed yeah. the subject real quick. Maybe I can make an, uh, like an edited version of a couple of episodes and tell her, you know, let her hear it. I don't know. Um, shit. Yeah, my grandmother, man. That could make just, for an interesting listen. I just know your cousins sometimes like to throw a scoop of chum in the water to see what happens, like what she's going to do or say or, and, and, and when it comes to you. Oh, yeah. I have gotten a mighty thrown under the bus intentionally <laughs> and not intentionally. Oh, I know. That's by my kind cousins. of what I'm saying. Um, Oh, you weren't at, at the family dinner when my grandmother found out about tattoos. Because that's another thing she does. She doesn't like tattoos or I cursing. You, I have known you in the time that you've had them and you spent a lot of time hiding them. Like you, oh, would, yeah. you had these, like, these tennis wristbands that you would put on to hide your tattoos. You, you were very stealthy, you know, very tactical about not showing them to her. Yeah, she just thought for, I guess she just thought for like a four or five year period, I really liked wearing... Um, sweatbands on my wrist to hide my wrist tattoo and she i guess she just thought it was a fashion choice but now i don't even bother because cat's out of the bag right she doesn't know the extent of how many tattoos i have but you've never taken your shirt off in front of her no why the fuck would i take my shirt off in front of my grandmother i don't know i don't know if you've ever been if she's ever been to your your beach trips or Oh, bro i'm a fat guy i swim with a shirt on like a man oh bro I'm a fat guy too, but I I say fuck it. No. I really, honestly, I'm like ah, oh, you know what? Fuck it. Uh, I, just, I tan that tan that fat right up. I am I am as close to a real life never nude, like uh, Tobias from uh, Arrested Development, as you can get. Like, if it weren't for the fact that I know I wouldn't really get clean, I probably would shower with clothes on. No, I don't know about that, but. 
I like to be nude. <laughs> you have to, uh, as an ass crusher does. You have to force me to wear clothes. Clothes, I mean, I wear clothes because I have to. See, I'm around the house. I'd really rather not. I'm, uh, I am the opposite. If, if, if I am the, I get naked when I have to. Around the house. Nobody needs to see this. I'm shirtless, like probably 80% of the time. Not me. Well, why, why dirty up the clothes? You know, like why not just, just be, I mean, Hey, different strokes. I'm glad for you. I'm glad you enjoy walking around the house with your dinger donger just waving in the breeze i'm not always pantless like i usually have some bottoms on but I, i'm i'm usually shirtless i'll own it like i mean but sometimes you just walk around with it swinging i know i've played some uh, xbox before with you and you're like i'm just chilling in my recliner butt ass naked that has xbox happened. wearing nothing but happened. an xbox headset sometimes well it's usually like post shower and i just wound up in my big comfy armchair and nothing but a towel and then, and then um, you're like, fuck this towel. I want to feel the breeze on my balls, son. No, I'm not sitting butt naked in the chair. Like, there's a towel between me and the chair. Oh, I gotcha. I gotcha. You know, nudist rules apply. That's what happens when you live in your bachelor pad. Why wear clothes? Fuck it. Fuck it. No, I, if I lived by myself, I, I, I don't foresee myself just chilling in the house naked. A little different setup at my house, though. Got those window or those doors with the windows in them and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Nosy old lady neighbors and like, look, they'd look in this house and see me rolling around naked and think the goddamn Sasquatch lived here. Give them a they'd heart be attack. Asking if you were dragging a hose behind you. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I know. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. I'd be giving the old ladies a helicopter. <laughs> I mean, you lived with me in this house. For a couple of years, I did. You had ample opportunity to give our neighbor, my neighbor, the uh, the helicopter. Ample opportunity. You could have done it. She didn't like me, so I didn't <laughs> want to further that cause. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe that would have turned your, turned her around on you. I didn't necessarily want to further that cause either. Fair enough. Fair enough. Oh boy. Well. So much for not really going off on tangents. <laughs> so much for the nude tangent. So much for uh, that. All right. Um, well, fuck it. Like, like, why don't I just dive in? I watched a, a uh, documentary this week that I think you would have really liked. I don't really? even think I know you would have liked this documentary. Well, first off, you know how much I like documentaries. I'm a documentary kind of guy. Mm-hmm. I... Um, I've been on a serious documentary and Black Mirror kick in the last few days. Black um, Mirror? Yeah, it's that sort of, I don't know how you describe it. It's an anthology show that's sort of horror-based almost. It's got sort of a Twilight Zone feel to it, uh, but all the stories are are based off of some sort of technology. It's real sounds, dark. It sounds incredibly awesome. It's really good. You should check it out. It's up on Netflix. Um, But the documentary I watched was called Eight Days of Week, Eight Days a Week, The Beatles, The Touring Years. And it was directed by The Beatles. Yes. You know, that's right up my alley. Um, And it was directed by Ron Howard. Oh, quality. uh, Yeah. I mean, and it was really good. It basically 
sort of skips over their early formation. It, it sort of jumps right in when they're playing their first shows and then goes to like when they started hitting it big and it just sort of chronicles the please please me and the british invasion yeah and all that and um because you know they stopped touring after rubber soul yeah because the audiences would scream so loud right that they couldn't hear them play that's what like you know i've i've been to quite a few arena um shows in the past and you know with the exception of a couple like the sounds great you know what i'm saying like yeah. You've got PAs and stuff. The Beatles were the first band that played these huge sports arenas like that. It was a new yeah. thing. And and so like they played at Shea Stadium and they had special amps built for their tour because of all the ladies screaming. Like it would overpower the music. So they got these special 100 watt or something amps built by Vox and that they were hoping that would fix the problem but it didn't they still got drowned out and like they played Shea Stadium without a PA system which means you know that's like 56,000 people and they're just in the middle of this fucking baseball field with their amplifiers and shit and they ran the sound through like the public PA system like you know when you're at a baseball game and like they're like no 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 batting 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 number 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 yeah uh, and they ran the sound through that. It was fucking... It could not have sounded good. But it, it was almost one of those things where people didn't really go to hear them. They just went to go and see the Beatles. They got fucking wrapped up in Beatlemania. It's one of those once-in-a-lifetime things, you know. I mean, the Beatles is my favorite band. You're talking I about know. my favorite band in history all time? The Beatles. Like, there's something about that music that spoke to me at a certain time in my life that opened my mind and I can't even put it into words, but it defined who I was in a way that I'll never be able to describe. And I'm incredibly thankful for. Um, and then it sort of detailed like some of the problems they ran into different places. Like they went to play in Japan and they were going to play at the Budokan. Now growing up as a kid, the Budokan I knew from like Ozzy Osbourne live at the Budokan. And stuff like it was a place that was pretty well known for for concerts in Japan, right? Right. Well, there was a huge demonstration because before the Beatles, the only thing that had ever been at the Budokan were like martial arts demonstrations. It was considered sort of a, a sacred. sacred place, and they were not cool with a band coming there. But clearly, they've uh, relaxed on that a bit. They chilled the frick out, man. But yeah, I recommend that documentary, man. It's um, it's really good. Even if you're not crazy into the Beatles, it's good. It's just a fascinating look at, you know, the touring life of this band that fucking, you know, changed music. They were huge, huge. Like, I don't know. I mean, there have been. I don't want to say there hasn't been anything as big since then. But damn, uh, not many, not many bands or artists have been able to pull that off the way they did. Mm -hmm. And what's crazy, you know, they released two albums a year. Every six out, six months, they put out a brand new album. So uh, for a band that was active for like 10 years, they put out like 13 or 14 albums. Creative juices just a flowing. And, and and then I sit there and I look at like my favorite band, Tool, 
And it's been 10 fucking years since they put out an album. Yeah. Come on, guys. Look, I'm not asking for an album every six months, but 10 years? Do you think they're scared that they they feel like they peaked? Like, they feel like they put so much creative energy into their life's work that now they just want to enjoy each other's company and touring? I mean, that could be it. I think, well, there is a there's the age factor because the guys in Tool are, are much older than the Beatles were at you know at the time and, they were putting out two albums and they have been doing this for quite some time they have and you know it's a different type of music it's i would say that you know a lot of the ground i mean to be honest a lot of the groundwork that the beatles laid with stuff like sergeant peppers and stuff like that like i see echoes of that in bands like tool like in no way does tool sound like the beatles i'm not saying that at all but just but the, the nature of the experimental music that they right, were tampering with. Right. Um, and even to that next progression, Pink Floyd, my second favorite <laughs> band of all time. I think you know, Tool is closer to Pink Floyd than they are to the Beatles, but I, I know exactly what you mean. Um, but, yeah, man, 10 years. And I also think, like, you know, the complexity of the music takes a while. I think they're probably perfectionists. Uh, their lead singer has so much other shit going on, running a winery and being in two other bands. And, and they have the music always has a message. You know, it yeah. has this deep seated message. And I would imagine to write music like that doesn't come easily or cheaply. You know, there has to be, you know, you know epic amounts of thought put into creating that kind of material. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, you know, it's just hard. And and they were going through like a lawsuit and one of them got bitten by a brown recluse and had like a staph infection. And, you know, there's been some setbacks, but still 10 years. And that shit's no joke. No, no. 10 years with no new album in sight. They're working on it, but they've been saying they've been working on it for like seven years. So we're, we're almost reaching a fucking Chinese democracy situation which is a guns and roses reference for anybody that doesn't know but anyway um i think that about does it for damn those were some tangents well you know pop culture relevance yeah yeah i was sitting there in my mind while we were talking about it being like i can i can get this back to star wars somehow nope nope sorry guys slow news week and uh try to give you at least an hour show you know we could just have bumped popped in here and done 30 minutes an email and told you guys you know that was it but this is probably some guy sitting there listening like jesus haas and will who gives a shit about documentaries and music give me the star wars right right we're just trying to make sure your life is a well-rounded experience there you go I like that. Well, why don't we move on to some emails? Let's. <clears throat> like I said, we got some long ones this week, so we should have some stuff to mull over. Before, Just before we hit the email, I'll tell you something carried over from last week that I can't seem to let go of is um, just that idea of that encounter at Ord Mantel. I sent you that picture. Right. You know, with those characters. And I just it just keeps 
playing in my mind how awesome you know a movie would be with um sebastian stan as luke skywalker and millie bobby brown as you know princess leia and alden ehrenreich as uh han solo doing a, a movie about the encounter at ord mantel with boba fett you know that yeah. between episode four and five that just keeps playing in my mind about how awesome that would be the the weird thing would be the age difference between Millie Bobby Brown and Sebastian Stan since they're yeah. supposed to be twins but yeah you know if we're going to get something like that in the future maybe a little suspension of disbelief is going to be needed anyway as long as, I feel like as long as you keep Sebastian Stan clean shaven it won't be that big of a deal you know it's the it's the gruff beard in Captain America's Civil War and all that other stuff that makes him I feel like look so aged right I feel like as long as he was clean shaven, it it it, it would be acceptable. <laughs> um, and I saw both of those movies, by the way: Captain yeah. America: Civil War and Batman vs Superman. So you Let's saw have... uh, you saw a gleaming golden example of a comic book movie and a hot steaming turd left at the bottom of the bowl with like two golden nuggets sticking out of that turd. And to I me, did. those two golden nuggets are Ben Affleck as Batman and Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. That's they were the good. Only parts I liked about that movie. They were good. Um, what did you think of Civil War, though? Civil War was epic and incredible. You know, I I mentioned this when I told you I saw it. I I was concerned about how they might pull off some of the elements of Civil War because I read the Civil War comics when they came out. You know, you and I, you let me read your comics actually. Yeah. And um, they they're doing quite well. You know, I was very impressed with how they're telling the story and how all of that came together. Uh, I'm very excited to see where it goes from here. Yeah, and, and so far, I mean, we didn't get a ton of him, but what we saw of him, I think it's the best version of Spider-Man yet. Oh, incredible! And as the my best Spidey, my favorite uh, Star or, or or Marvel Comics character, that just that alone sold me. But uh, it was otherwise really good. Very um, young, very talkative, you know, real quippy, fucking like Spider-Man is. Black Panther was badass, too. He and that's was. not a character who I've historically been super familiar with. I'm a little more familiar now. Um, I think the last thing I really read that involved Black Panther was um, when he and Storm from the X-Men got married. Um, but yeah, I, I, Black Panther was great. I can't wait for that movie. Doctor Strange is coming up. It looks great. Dude, Guardians. in, a, in a, um, like a month or two. Uh, I like mean, a, a week, week or two. two. Yeah. That's what I meant. I meant a week or two. My bad. Guardians 2 looks great. Have you seen the teaser for that? I have not. I'm going to have to see it. It looks good, man. Um, They don't show much. It's like a teaser for the trailer. So it's like, you know, maybe a, like a minute, minute and a half. But there's some young, good stuff in it. The young Robert Downey Jr. in the beginning of Civil War. Impressive. Right, and and when you take that into effect, and the Michael Michael Douglas thing that they did um, in Ant Man, in Ant Man, it really makes me think that maybe in Rogue One we could see a young Princess Leia, you know? Yeah, and I and I would say if we do, it'll be very similar in length and content to those where she's not going to have major scenes, but you know, because I think the longer. Like that young Robert Downey Jr. or that young Michael Douglas stayed on screen, 
the more you would sort of be able to, it would bring you out of it. Maybe you'd start to see the cracks in the CG. Right. But, uh, I could see them going that way with Leia or even Tarkin in Rogue One. Uh, and that'll be interesting to see. I wonder if the microphone's picking up that fucking train that's going by. I can hear it. Yeah. Oh boy. Sorry about that guys. Chugga, 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 toot, toot. All right, well, let's chugga, 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 toot, toot onto these emails. First up, we've got our buddy Evan. And, and this is indeed, and this is what he has to say. How's it going, buddies? I just had a quick Rogue One question I've been kicking around in my head for a while. At what timestamp do you think the first main character death is going to occur in the film? Second, how frequently do you think they will space these deaths out, assuming they all don't make it? This includes all the heavy spotlighted, heavily spotlighted characters. Thanks so much. Hall, P.S. Halls, I have some incoming shirt designs, and your saw pop as well. Well, thank you, buddy. Yeah, uh, Evan uh, tracked down the elusive Saw Guerrera pop for me, the Walmart exclusive, and um, yeah, you heard it here. First, we're going to have some new t-shirts coming up, and I think you guys will be Ooh, excited. Doggy. Um, So why don't you take his question first, buddy? What do you think... How long do you think it'll be before we see a major character death? I feel like the first scrape. The first scrape or the second scrape, you see a character death. And I just think that will be to bring levity to the situation and how serious and dangerous the mission is. Right. Um, so I am going to say, um, I think at the latest by the end of the first act, I have a feeling that the first act primarily takes place on Jed Ha. Yeah. I feel like, you know, and by first scrape, I mean once the team is assembled and right. sets out on its journey. And I kind of get the feeling that Saw Guerrera uh, isn't going to make it off of Jed Ha. If I had money on it, he'd be the first casualty. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Um, but, you know, really, who knows? Um and, uh, well, thanks to uh, a spoiler from one of the main casts at Celebration, we know for sure one character's going. And right. just from power of deduction, I believe we've seen him on scene, uh, like through pictures and stuff, and scenes and stuff on Scarif. And I, personally, am assuming that Scarif um, is sort of the last act of the movie, like where the, the final action takes place, the final battle right. or whatever. So that makes me think that those two characters will survive till then. Um, and probably meet a a tandem end in my, in, I think. Yeah, I kind of see the one guy going and then his buddy flipping out and going berserker rage and taking out a bunch of things, but going down in the, in the process as well. Right. Um, if Jen Erso dies, which I, I get a feeling that she's going to. I just got a feeling she's going to. Could be wrong. If she dies, I see her being the, the like she delivers the plans with her dying breath, basically. You know? I th- I feel like if anyone lives, it'll be Jen Erso. You think so? Because 
and now just bear with me here. <coughs> uh, Disney has, you know, created these new generation of kick-ass female leads, you know, and if you wanted to tell other stories in that era, you know, not tied to the canon, Jen Erso would be a great way to continue that. So, you know, the adventures of Jen Erso in the Rebellion, in the time of Luke and Leia, but not on Hoth, not interacting with the Rebellion. Right. You know, her pimping around in the galaxy, doing her thing, rebelling in her own way, you know, having her own life. That's not, you know, maybe that's her last chapter tied directly to the Rebellion, but she's still active within the galaxy. Right. You know, that Jen, Jen Erso would be a great way to stay within that time time frame. I could see them doing that and... You know, it would make sense. The thing is, is I get a real heavy feeling that this is a one-off movie, meaning that they're not really planning on sequels or anything for right. this one. But that's not to say that she couldn't show up in someone else's movie or, you know, something like that. The one thing that makes me question, and, and actually I didn't even... This story broke, I believe it was after we recorded last week, um, that Felicity Jones that plays Jen Erso... Uh, got the most, uh, got paid the most out of the cast, somewhere in the seven figure range, right? Which makes oh, wow. sense. She's the lead, um, but it also makes me wonder if, because they did sort of this, and, and all of this is explained much better on the the newest episode of Now This Is Podcasting. Jason really broke it down, and and so and he's who sort of brought this to light uh, to me is like they did this legacy pay scale. On episode seven, right, where, you know, Harrison Ford was the the highest paid and Luke and Leia got paid more than John Boyega, Daisy Ridley and Oscar Isaac, even though those two characters weren't in the movie as much. Definitely not Luke. Um, but it's it's this legacy thing. You guys are the legacy players. You get paid the paid the most. Right. right. And uh, Daisy Ridley, John Boyega and Oscar Isaac's contracts the way they work is they get paid more the more movies they're in. So right. like they're getting paid more for eight and then they'll get paid more than that for nine. So that makes me wonder if the reason you pay Felicity Jones that much, a the Academy Award nomination really comes into play. Speaking of which I watched that fucking movie the other day, uh, the theory of everything. Yeah. The Stephen Hawking movie that uh, she got the nomination for. Right. I'm, I'm in my mode where I'm going and trying to do a little Star Wars research and see some of the movies that these people have been in. You're cinematically branching out to assess their characters. Yeah. You know, I, their ability as actors. I did that before episode seven, but uh, I watched The Theory of Everything, and dude, whew, it's a good movie. It is absolutely a good movie. Cried like a baby. Did you really? Yeah. Bad idea to watch a movie at the house by yourself. You know what I'm saying? And just yeah. chilling. And Jesse came home and she was like, what is wrong? And I was like, that fucking Stephen Hawking movie, man. It's just so sad. Oh, but anyway, she was excellent in it. So, you know, that's good. Um, <clears throat> but that, that makes me wonder if you pay her that much because this is her sole Star Wars movie. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If you don't yeah, have to worry sense. about signing her to a multi-movie contract, then you just pay her a lot up front and be like, hey, here's, here's you know, a million plus dollars to be in the Star Wars movie. 
Uh, and we're not going to tie you down with a multi-movie contract and, and things like that. Not typically the sort of story that really grabs my attention, the Hollywood pay, pay scale thing, but mm-hmm. when it comes to Star Wars, it makes it just a little more interesting. It's interesting. And how, you know, saying that Mark Hamill made more than the rest of the cast for episode seven, you know, that blows your mind just a little bit because he's in the movie for, you know, a matter of seconds. But how does that work? Like, you know, is it a salary for the whole movie or is it, you know, he got paid most for (coughs) the hours he worked? Like, is it, you know, are you paid by the hour or... Is it just for participation in the film at all? Right. Right. I mean, it, you know, it, it's definitely not by the hour, I would say. You know, it's interesting to sort of hear how it works out. But um, I know that actors are unionized. You know, they're. Yeah. Yeah. They I, can only work so many hours. I do not know how any of that stuff works, man. I mean, uh, like, so I can't really speak on it. I just know, you know, what's been reported and stuff and. Who knows how accurate some of that stuff even is, you know? Right. But um, I think uh, there will be quite a few casualties on the Rebel side um, for Rogue One. Initially, I would have said, yes, everybody will die. But I'm kind of stepping back on that a little bit and thinking that it could be, you know, there could be some survivors, but... I mean, it is made by Disney, you know, like, and it is, I know it's a war movie, but it's a Disney war movie, like, yeah, how far, how far do you push the grimness, I guess? I mean, that is true, but you're also talking about the people that fucking killed Mufasa 20 minutes into the Lion King. That's true. You're very true. And, you know, uh, Nemo's mom. Five minutes in. Bambi's mom. Yep. They like to kill parents. Fucking that Pat- opening scene of Up. Oh, my God. All right. Yikes. Yikes. Yeah, let's move on before I start must- thinking about that sad shit. It, it must be some formula <laughs> they figured out. If we take you really, really low in the first five minutes, it can only go up from here. Right. Haha. Get it? Disney's Up. Music by uh, Michael uh, Giacchino, by the way. <laughs> All right, next up, we've got an email from our buddy, Vader Nick. And Vader Nick wrote in, and he had a message for Will, which uh, I sent on to Will. Which is very kind. Thank you, Nick. That's very sweet. And uh, then he's got some questions for us. And now that I have dispensed with the pleasantries, on to the questions. I have a few, so bear with me and answer at your convenience. Question one. What do you guys think the opening scene of Rogue One will be? I'm thinking Krennic's ship departing from a destroyer to the flyover we see in the trailer, over the beach, then to the Urso farm with Krennic and the Death Trooper walking up. Thoughts? Um, I think... I think it'll start in space. I, I don't know that there will be a crawl. They've pretty much kind of said that there's not going to be, I think. Um, but I, I think they'll keep the convention of it starting in space in some way. So in that regard, I agree with you, Nick. I don't think it's going to be super linear, though, to where it starts at the earliest point and then progresses. I think 
throughout the movie, we're going to see sort of Jen Erso flashbacks, you know? But that's exactly what I was about to say in, in the, um, in the, oh my goodness, in the trailer, uh, that's kind of how they they play it. You know, she wakes up from that flashback in jail. It's possible yeah. that the first scene is seeing how she gets locked up, and then we see that flashback, and she wakes up in jail, just like it is in the trailer. You know, and that may be just artistically cut so that it looks that way, but it right. may also be the case. You know, you may see her whip ass, do something naughty, and then get caught and locked up, and then you see that flashback. Right, right. All right, he's got a question 1.5. Is it possible this is already the best-looking Star Wars film to date? Every scene in the trailer and photos in the articles are all picturesque shots that could be poster wallpapers or just a piece of art in general. Um, I think it stands a good chance because, man, there's some impressive shots, like just shot composition in the trailers that look phenomenal. Um. It'll really, I think, come down to seeing it all in action and all strung out. But um, I love the way The Force Awakens looks, so I can't imagine that they'll take a step back by any means. Um, It just, you know, it'll be interesting to see because you're working with a different director or directors, depending on the rumors. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to compare that to what J.J. did because J.J. has a very specific directing style. And, um, you know, it'll definitely be different, but it'll, you know, I, I am, I'm sure they've taken measures to make sure it, it also still feels like Star Wars. So I do, I do feel like it's going to look incredible. I feel like it runs the possibility of looking the best so far. Um, but I, I believe that's for a couple of reasons, you know, in keeping with the Force awakens, you have to. You have to maintain a theme and set a stride for the next few canon movies. So there's a bit of homage and precedent you're both trying to preserve and set from there on. Mm-hmm. You know, with with this being a standalone and being its own unique thing, there are some shots you can do. There are some, you know, interesting ways you can perceive things right. that don't necessarily don't necessarily have to stick to you know, the framework that's already been put in front of you. Right. So I believe just simply from that, it's it's pushing the envelope in a way that it's the forerunner. So it can it can break the mold in ways that the Force Unwakens might not have been allowed to. I need to go back and rewatch Gareth Edwards' Godzilla movie to get a sort of a because that's the only thing I've ever seen of his. And Gojira. I I um I watched it while I was working, so I need to go back and rewatch it and sort of get a, a better sense of his directing style. I heard some <laughs> poor things about that. How was it? Because I mean, I'd really like to see it. I heard Brian Cranston was in it. Uh, you know what? It's it's good. Was it excellent? No. And like, I, I don't know if I've brought this up on the podcast when I was a kid. Like, maybe it's hard to tell because of how young I was, but it may have even been before I was introduced to Star Wars. I was a huge Godzilla fan. Um for some reason we had like Godzilla versus Ultraman or some shit on, oh, dude. Um, on VHS I, as a kid. And I watched it all the time. I was a huge Godzilla fan because of my cousins, William Ashmore. You know, if you're listening to this podcast, he has in the past and he's wrote in and I really appreciate that. Um, but he <coughs> growing up, he didn't have cable. So his family amassed a video library 
that would have impressed, you know, any cinematic blockbuster video. Right. You know, any any person that loves movies would have been impressed just at their movie collection. They had everything. And so they had all the Godzilla, Godzilla versus anything, you know, and I watched them with them and they were just they're great. You know, so I, I really had a love for Godzilla as well. Um, I'd like to see them put out like a complete Godzilla Blu-ray box set. It'd be expensive because there's a lot of them. But that would be something I'd be interested in getting. And I know it'd be one of those things where maybe I watched them once and the ones that I thought were really good, I watched a couple of times. But love me some Godzilla, man. Love me. Used to watch the cartoon. With Godzuki. And Godzuki. Well, that's a nice little segue because speaking of cartoons, his question too is about Obi-Wan Kenobi in Rebels. Obi-Wan and Rebels can't happen, right? Rumors abound that the new fulcrum this season on Rebels might be Obi-Wan, but it can't happen, right? I mean, the Star Wars story group wouldn't intentionally contradict A New Hope so blatantly, right? Obi-Wan says in A New Hope that Obi-Wan Kenobi was a name he had not heard in a long time. Why go out of their way to just cause more discrepancies, right? So if the new fulcrum can't be Obi-Wan, who do you guys think it could be? Okay, first off, I think Obi-Wan and Rebels could happen. And I I think having him show up in the premiere, even though it was through that hologram recording of his message to the Jedi, like I think that sort of opens the door for an Obi-Wan per, uh, appearance. And I think with what you did with Darth Maul and Revan, or Revan, fucking Revan, Ev- Ezra, um, having that vision of the twin sons and Obi, uh, Darth Maul saying he's alive, like that's almost if they don't pay off with them going to Tatooine and confronting Obi Wan, then I think that is a missed opportunity. Like I don't think you sort of set that up and then be like, uh, never mind, we just aren't going to cross that bridge. Um, now, do I think Obi Wan is the new fulcrum? No, I think Obi the new fulcrum may be Callus, um, the Imperial guy from the first two seasons that sort of lightened up after he had his enemy mind moment on that episode with Zeb. Um, sideburns. Yes, sideburns. <clears throat> he's he's been softening a little bit. He had this episode where he got stranded. You've seen Enemy Mine with me, right? Fuck you, Davich. So. It's where the yes. astronaut and the uh, yes, the yes. evil alien get stranded on the planet together and they have to become friends. Yeah. They did an episode of Rebels that was that, like where Callus and Zeb got stranded on a planet together and had to work together so they could get off and, you know, get off the planet as well. It got mighty sexy. Yeah, I was about to say. Some purple goo ended up in those sideburns. That's all I'm going to say. Those are more mutton chops. Yeah, I guess you're right. <clears throat> um, but that's just my, I, and I think, uh, if you go back and listen to the, or listen to the audio on that, uh, Antilles extraction episode that, um, the new fulcrum showed up in, I think it kind of sounds like callous. Now that could be some sort of diversionary tactic. Um, you know, and, um, just to, just to reference what Nick said, like you can't, you can get around the Obi-Wan. Now that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. You know, they could show up to Tatooine asking for an Obi-Wan and be like, I don't know any Obi-Wan. I know old Ben. Or maybe they just call him Kenobi. 
you know, and they're and they, they were like, well, let's see if you know they start asking for Ben Kenobi. Like, are you Ben? You know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I will admit, if they bring Obi Wan into Rebels, they have to do it very carefully, and make sure all their ducks in are, are in a row. But I think. You know, if you're going to bring Darth Maul back, if you're going to do that, then why not have him rematch, you know, have one final rematch with Obi-Wan? Make it because fucking awesome. What if he's not going, if he's not going to meet his death at Obi-Wan, what did he run off to do? You know, what did he? Well, it's, you know, I, I've heard some people when he says he lives, I, I've heard some people say, oh, maybe he's talking about Vader, but. I don't think so. I don't think it's that simple. Like, I think uh, Maul may have some resentment towards Vader because Vader became apprentice to uh, Sidious. But I think Maul is past being worried about being a Sith at this point. And I think Vader he's doing his own thing. Vader a mud hole in Darth Maul regardless. Like, yes, sir. I feel like. And um, the other thing people have been wondering is if he's talking about Luke. Now, I think he maybe saw Luke in the in the vision and saw Obi-Wan guarding him. That's why I think Maul and Ezra saw the same vision, basically. But they, the two of them took different things from that vision. Ezra wanted to see a way to destroy the Sith, and what he saw were was Luke on Tatooine under the twin suns. And that was his answer. This is who's going to help destroy the Sith, kid. It's, it ain't you. You know, and then yeah. I think when o Maul was looking for hope, he was looking for some reason to keep going, some rage, some, you know, anger to keep him going. And he saw the same vision as Ezra. But what he took away from it is, oh, Obi-Wan's on this planet with the ten twin sons. He's alive. So that's just what I'm thinking, you know, and, and, and I know a lot of people want to see if they ever do the Obi-Wan and Darth Maul duel, they want to see it live action. Guys, uh, I think that's Naga, not going to happen. Not going to happen. And the reason I say that is because, yes, if you're listening to a Star Wars podcast, there's a good chance you've watched Clone Wars and watched Rebels, at least some of it. If and we love that you're listening, by yeah, the way. Like, exactly. But and if, in reality, the majority of people are not listening to these podcasts. The, you know... The majority of the fan base is going to want to. That's good that they that Disney's going to want to see the movie is not going to have watched Rebels. Right, that's my exact point. Well, moving on. Question. I didn't mean to take that away from you. I'm sorry. Oh, I kind of snatched no, that away from you. Right no, you here. grabbed it and you dunked it. Alley oop! I threw it Alley up in the air and you pow pow. He's on fire. All right. Question two point five. <coughs> While we're on the subject of Obi-Wan, what is the deal with his death disappearance? I guess throughout my years of being a Star Wars fan, I never really thought about it, but Vader doesn't kill Obi-Wan as I always thought it in my head. Obi-Wan vanishes before Vader's saber ever touches him. What gives? Could you guys elaborate for me? Um, yes, I believe he is right in that Vader doesn't truly kill obi-wan he has the murderous intent for sure but i believe it is canon that obi-wan disappears like he just gives himself up and i believe that is a result of whatever weird mystic training 
um, he received from the ghost of Qui-Gon and through communing with Yoda, you know, all those years on Tatooine, he figured out some, you know, some way to sacrifice his body and just move over to the other side or whatever, for lack of and a Yoda, better explanation. And Yoda does the same. Not think, in, not in, you know, exact, exactly, but right. Yoda does disappear and become one with the four you know there is no yoda's body left right right and i i think it's the same thing but i think yoda does die like i think it's after like i think yoda breathes his last breath and then disappears well and you know like it may be you know this is kind of abstract but this is just a suggestion it may be you know being so in tune with the force you have you have a say-so or a, a power over how you go. You know, if all of your life force is tied in with the force and your destiny and the will of the force, then you place all your faith in that. You know, Yoda probably had his... Yoda may have had his mindset that as soon as the life force drained from him, you know, all of his being was transferred to the force. And Obi-Wan had the same, you know, same outlook, but... He chose that moment to, you know, basically give up the ghost, right, and become one with the force. Right, I think that's what happened. Is like when he holds his saber up and sort of that surrendering position. I think he's, for lack of a better term, like focusing his chi to pull off this fucking magic trick that he's about to do to become. Because he with says the force. verbatim, "If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you could ever imagine." I know, but that line makes it seem like Vader strikes him down which but it yeah well you know he's i think he's kind of baiting vader with that very right. last right very true so uh let's move on to the rest of uh vader nick's multi-tiered email extravaganza back to rebels the emperor do you think we'll ever see him in rebels we haven't right only heard him um I'd say there's about a 50-50 chance. Uh, we, we've we heard him, and they've got Sam Witwer doing the voice, so they've got him, you know, at, and but he also does Maul. Not that, you know, that makes a difference. Um, I think we could see him. I just wonder if, because, if, you know, it's hard to say nowadays with things that they still consider canon and don't, but there was sort of this idea um, in the previous canon that, like, by the time of A New Hope, the Emperor didn't really get involved. He say he stayed sort of secluded and sequestered and had his moths and his Vader and his Krennic and his Tarkin out there doing the dirty work and they just reported back to him, you know? So Which uh, would give so much more weight to the fact that he visited the second Death Star personally. Exactly. So that makes me think that that may still be the case. Now, will we see a scene where they go to Coruscant and go to the old... Because you know that's where the Imperial Palace is, is the old Jedi Temple. Yeah. Will we oh, see well, that? Oh, I didn't know it was the old Jedi Temple, but yeah, he, I knew I knew the Emperor had a palace on Coruscant. Yeah, he took over the Jedi Temple and turned that shit into his personal palace. A perversion. Um. So uh, could we see a scene where someone goes to report to the Emperor on Coruscant? Maybe. Maybe. Um, 
Now that Thrawn is officially canon, do we know his age? Is he younger in Rebels than he was in Heir to the Empire? Could he still play a part of the post-Return of the Jedi years? Does he die in Rebels? Surely he is not around during the original trilogy years. Buddy, I don't know the answer to that. Um, I would say since, he's definitely younger than he was in Empire, uh, Heir to the Empire. But since he's an alien by nature... You know, Yoda lived for 900 years. That dude could live... The dude could live a thousand years, for all you know. Like, however yeah. they want to play it. Um, the, If I had to guess, this is what they'll do. Um, Thrawn may be instrumental in doing something real fucked up to the Rebellion before A New Hope. Or he may fuck up in some way. And he gets... They could still do the storyline where he gets sent out in a mission to the Outer Rim or whatever. Maybe Rebels ends with the Emperor sending Thrawn out on this mission. That way you basically take him off the chessboard um, for the original trilogy. And then maybe sometime after the death of the Emperor and Darth Vader and the fall of the Empire, Thrawn comes back. And then you could still tell stories with Thrawn in that you know post-Return of the Jedi era and have you know some of those story elements show back up. Personally, that's what I'd like to see. I'd like to I if I'd like to see them move on, you know, after this season or next um with Rebels. And mainly I say that because I've noticed I like when shows sort of plan out their end game, you know what I mean? Um and it works better for some shows than others. Um but I like when they sort of plan it out and and are ready for the next thing. I really want the next series to be post return of the Jedi and I could see Thrawn being like the big bad for that series and I think that would be really cool and I think that would uh, really excite the fans too um how how would you do that series just in quick you know would it follow Luke and his <coughs> um establishing of the new academy and and Kylo Ren you know more I should say Ben Solo if I had my say, yes, that's what it, I mean. That would be a part of it, and it would also deal with you know Leia and Han and Lando, um, and you'd have to introduce some new characters. You know what I'm saying? You'd have to introduce some new guys. It would probably, if I had to say, it'd probably have to take probably around the same time frame as Heir to the Empire, four to five years after Return of the Jedi. That way, you can put some distance in between Jedi and the stuff that takes place in the Aftermath books. Um, but I could see them, you know, doing something with that where Thrawn comes back and maybe he's got a, a, a fleet with him and he's here to try and, and conquer, you know, reconquer for the Empire or establish his own shit. Um, and the thing that makes me wonder is what they're doing with Luke and Kylo Ren and all of the between canon stuff is they're not having them be players in the big conflicts. Like Luke is missing and not missing. He's gone in aftermath. He's off doing his thing and bloodline. He and Ben Solo are still gone off doing their thing. So that makes me wonder, like, would we even really see that stuff? Um, I kind of think it would be a shame if we do get a series uh, set in between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens, uh, I think it would be a shame not to see Luke. At, at what age did Leia send Ben to 
train with Luke? I don't know. Um, okay. We know he was conceived not long after the Battle of Endor. He was probably born like a year after or something, I think is around the time frame that they're saying Ben was born. Maybe a little more. And then by Bloodline, which is six years before The Force Awakens, he's off with Luke. And he, so that puts him about 24, I believe. 24, 25, right? Um, but I, I don't know that they've said what age they sent him off to be with Luke. Um, so, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, if it's before he's been sent off with Luke, you could see a young Ben Solo. And it could be that they're just waiting for episode 8 and maybe episode 9 to come out to start feeling filling in what Luke and Ben Solo were up to in those in-between years. Um, honestly, I think that's probably more likely. They don't want to write themselves out of any opportunities, story opportunities that would be better served in 8 or 9. You know, Here's a question. Do you think they would do a movie? Uh, about Ben Solo and Luke Skywalker with, you know, with Adam Driver and Mark Hamill? You know, honestly, no. I, I, unless you did it uh, set right when he betrays the Jedi or betrays Luke and kills all those dudes and takes off. And you could pepper some flashbacks in there. You could maybe do that. Um, but your time is incredibly limited with Mark Hamill. And I'm not saying he's going to die, but like if you're going to do that, you would want to shoot that like now-ish or after episode nine. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. For it to match up and stuff. But yeah, who knows, man? Who knows what the future holds with Star War? All right. And since he is canon now, can I officially call Thrawn my favorite character in Star Wars? Fucking call whoever you want your favorite character in Star Wars, buddy. You got dibs, bro. Everybody, we're here to announce. Hello, hello. We're here to announce that Grand Admiral Thrawn is Vader Nick's favorite Star Wars character. Let it be written. Let it be done. With a jawline like that, I can see why. And that blue skin and red eyeliner. Mm-mm. Tall drink of blue water. <laughs> Sorry for the long-winded email. The longer my stint in between appearances, the more I sandbag for talking points in case I ever are called in upon to pinch hit on the show. We need to have you back on soon, Nick. I think Will have, and I have got the uh, the rhythm of the Skype thing down, so yeah, we should start getting some guests back on. It's been a little while since we've had a guest. <clears throat> All right, next up, we got two more emails, and the next one is from... King Tom! Halls and Will. I've been going back a lot recently. For instance, a few week, weeks ago in my free time, I started re-watching Lost from the beginning. Oh, yeah. That's what I like to hear. He's been tweeting about Lost uh, a little bit, and like sometimes there'll be like a little bit of a vague tweet where he's not like, oh, I'm watching Lost such and such, but he'll be like, Yep, and that's how Jack got his tattoos. And I'll be like, oh, that gets a like. I know what he's talking about. He's talking my language. <laughs> that poor episode. Not going to lie, I have fast-forwarded through a few flashbacks, but I've watched a lot. The other night, I was watching The Man Behind the Curtain. Excellent episode. And I got the chills during that last flashback. 
Ben contemplates a random 20-something birthday while this beautiful soft melody plays in the background. He goes about his day committing an unspeakable but necessarily necessary act and the music cell, swells, becomes haunting but still maintaining that beautiful melody. It's a great scene, amazingly acted, but the music of Michael Giacchino brings it to life. And at that moment watching, I could not wait for Rogue One. You would think that I paid King Tom to write this email. He is literally buttering me up. Like, I'm expecting the next You would think (laughs) that Michael Giacchino pays you personally under the table. I think the next paragraph is going to be, all right, now that I've buttered up halls, I need a kidney. Like, real bad. And I think you might be a match. Hmm. I'd give King Tom a kidney. If the doctor was like, yeah, you'll be, I'll be like, look, will this cut my life expectancy down any? And if he's like, no, you'll be fine. By the time you need another kidney, we'll have robot kidneys. I'll be like, fucking pull it out. Pull it out, doc. Give it to King Tom. Cut me. (laughs) Cut me, doc. We know the movie is going to look great. But even though the music is not being done by John Williams, I think Giacchino will bring something special to the movie. He has a gift for taking a theme or melody and expanding it in a way that's Williams-like. I know you guys went over this a few weeks ago, but it real, really hit home watching Ben Linus walking back into New Otherton. Oh, I know exactly the music he's talking about, man. My other instances of going back is re-listening to old Blue Harvest episodes. I started from the beginning and this week got to my first few episodes. The thing I loved about Blue Harvest is what you guys advertise yourself as. Two friends talking about Star Wars. Thanks to your podcast, I've made a few new friends of my own. Or at least I like to think of them and think of them as friends. And like you guys, I can talk or listen to friends talk about Star Wars forever. The thing that I'm amazed about is that My first few emails were all inspired by my buddy Joe. I guess it's true what they say. There is no evil without good. There is no man in black without Jacob. There is no Vader without Obi-Wan. There is no King Tom without Joe. So thanks, you guys, and thank Joe. Thanks, Joe. Okay, I'm done. Sorry I didn't mean this to be as long-winded as it got to be. Thanks for reading your pal King Tom. That was was just a pleasant-ass email to read. That was really nice. Thanks a lot, Tom. Thanks a lot. Pleasant as fuck. And uh, man, the King Tom and Joe thing. If if this podcast were to end with this episode, that might be one of my proudest moments. Would be igniting the friendly yet heated Kia D Mundi discussion. It's like between a those friendly feud. Last email. It's our buddy Luke. Will and Halls, I've been soiling myself in Rogue One hype since Rogue Friday, even more since the latest trailer. Bro, you might want to get a towel or something to sit on like my boy (laughs) Will. Soiling yourself. It's all right, buddy. You know. Having watched the new trailer way too many times, I've made some observations that have led to questions. Number one, Saul and Jen's relationship. Has it already been confirmed that Jen has been a part of Saul's crew? If not, I definitely feel like it's true. I have a feeling she's been kicking it with Saul for quite some time. I kind of get that feeling too. I kind of got a feeling that they've got some familiarity going between the two of them. Um, And see, I feel the opposite. Really? You think... uh, I feel like she... I feel like this team aspect is going to be different for her like i feel like she's been kicking it solo since her dad got hijacked you know don't trust anyone 
the only person you can trust is yourself. Right. Could be. Could be. Um, I've heard no confirmation either way. Are we all in agreement that Jedha gets destroyed by the Death Star? I've heard conflicting theories on this. I've heard people say that a Star Destroyer is crashing on the planet and that that's the explosion we see. I've also heard that the planet is literally coming apart because of all the kyber crystal mining. Personally, I think it would be a waste to not see those glorious green lasers rip through a planet. Um, you know what? I, I agree that it would be kind of neat to see the destruction of a planet by the Death Star from the perspective of the planet. You know? Like what it's like. And we honestly kind of got that in The Force Awakens when all those Republic planets and Hosni and Prime and stuff got taken out. Um, I don't... Th I personally don't think it's the Death Star. Um, and, of course, I could be wrong. Um, and the reason I say that is because I think Alderaan is supposed to be the first planet that the Death Star destroys. And, you know, maybe we can explain this in several ways. And I just don't think that that's a ship crashing. That that explosion in the trailer, it just looks like you know, some sort of detonation, some sort of energy weapon or something. But, you know, maybe it's an installation that the rebel group destroys. I don't know. But, um, uh, like you said, you know, and the way you might can explain it is that maybe they test fire the weapon because you see it. That kind of makes me want, maybe we do see some sort of half powered, you know, maybe Alderaan is the first full power, in, yeah. fully installed, because you see the the whatever the dish array, right? Kind of lock in place. Yeah, we see him get satellite. So maybe before it's put into the Death Star, it is, you know, test fired at quarter, or, you know, half capacity. That could be. All right. Um... It's been discussed often, but I want your opinion. Apologies if you've already answered it before. Will we see Vader's saber ignited? My guess is yes, but briefly. And I'm guessing at least two force chokes. It'd be doubly awesome if it was simultaneous force chokes. Um, I say no. Yeah, I don't think we're going to see it. If we do, it will be extremely brief, but I don't think we're going to. And part of the reason that makes me wonder that is none of the merchandise... And, and granted, there hasn't been a ton, but none of the Vader Rogue One merchandise um, has featured him with a with a saber, which is odd, right? And though someone did bring up a good uh, theory, if the uh, the Rogue One Hot Toys Vader comes out and he has a saber, then we're probably going to see the saber. If he doesn't, we're probably not. Um, uh, but I don't know that we're going to see that before the movie anyway. Vader did not ignite his saber until the second, you know, until Empire Strikes Back, right? What you what? What do you think he fought Obi Wan with on the Death Star? Oh yeah, he did. His Jesus, dick. I blanked on that whole thing. Yeah, I totally blanked. Well, see, that's a point I've heard brought up that I think is a good point. Is Vader only seems to whip out the saber when it's against someone else a with a saber? You know? Yeah, that's my. Yeah, that's kind of what I was going at. <laughs> so. That's what I wonder. Do you think Krennic still, or do you think Krennic kills Jen's mother? Possibly while young Krennic watches, while young Jen watches from cover. Or do you think she's already dead when Krennic, Krennic Cone comes for Galen? Mm. 
for no real reason, I think she's already dead at that point. I think we I will too. see her, but in flashback only. Which is maybe why the connection between Jin and her father is so important. Right, right. And those words he says where he says, everything I do, I do for you. You know, why that's so important. Right. That's all I've got this week, guys. Less than 50 days to go before we get yet another chapter in the Star Wars saga. What a time to be a Star Wars fan. Fuck yeah. Thanks, Luke. P.S. Halls, earlier today when you and I were discussing droid tattoos, it got me thinking. What's your favorite non-main character droid? Mine is definitely the probe droid. Um, I really like the probe droid. It kind of freaks me out a little bit because it looks like a floating spider a little bit. But it's such a kick-ass design. I like the gonk droid. Um, mainly because uh, my parents uh, had ownership of a couple of McDonald's when I was real young. So after school, I would go hang out at McDonald's. And back in the day, McDonald's trash cans looked exactly like a gonk droid. Um, I like the Death Star droid. I don't know what they really call it. That's just what the Kenner figure was called. Those little mouse droids. Mouse droids are cool. Uh, Death Star droid, he's actually in the sand crawler. He's all silver. He looks like a protocol droid, but he's got a bug head. Oh, I got you. I know what you're talking about. You know what I'm saying? I like that droid. Um, Fucking IG-88. IG-88 is my favorite non-character droid, for sure. Because he's a bounty hunter, and he looks He's a character, though. But he's not a main character. Would you call he's not a main character. like when he says main character droids? I think C three PO, R two D two, um, BB eight, BB eight, Chopper from Rebels. Those are main character droids. Yeah. What about you, buddy? What's your favorite non main character droid? I'm sitting here thinking, <clears throat> and. You know, like, as far as, like, badassness, it's probably the droidicas, like, because yeah. they roll around and they have shields. That's pretty neat. Those are my but, favorite uh, of the Separatist droids, or the droidicas, the, the, the destroyer droids. But, um, I don't know, there's something about that droid that looks like a KitchenAid blender head uh, in Jabba's palace when he talks about sending R2 to the master's sail barge. You'll soon learn some respect, that guy. I like yeah. him, too. I like EV99, him. EV99, I believe is yeah. what he's called. He is an expensive-ass Kenner figure because I've been looking into um, starting my loose vintage Kenner collection, um, and he is an expensive one because he came out late in the run. Um, yeah, I like him, too. Um, Lobot, does Lobot count as a droid, a character droid, or is he a cyborg? I think he's a cyborg. I don't think he counts as a droid. He's got a remote control. I don't like Lobot's outfit. Have I ever talked about that? Like, I like a Lobot from the neck up. His outfit just looks... Oh, dude, man. it's so 70s. It is 70s. But it's like Studio 54, dude. He looks like he's going to come and fix my cable or something. I don't know. In the 70s. 70s cable. Come fix my three <laughs> channels, motherfucker. With my remote that's the size of... <laughs> right? That literally makes a loud clicking noise when I use it. Yeah. Probably plugged into the TV. With about two and a half feet, if you're lucky, of cable. <laughs> you know how you know we're old? Because we remember that shit? 
Yeah, that and Atari. I remember Ataris. My parents had a the the TV I watched Star Wars on for the first time was the TV in my parents' house until that it got it caught fire, like the the house caught fire and burned down. And that thing, by the time '96 rolled around, we had to weigh down the brightness knob because the knob came off and it was just the little post sticking out of it. But yeah. we had to weigh it down because if you turned it, it would just slowly turn back to oh, real dark, <laughs> and like you couldn't see shit on that TV if you didn't like mess around with it for a few minutes trying to get that that knob to stay. We had a TV that was in like a dresser. Do you remember like mm-hmm. the TVs in the dresser? And when it went out, you would put a new TV on top of that because. TVs were no longer built in dressers at that point. We um, so uh, yes, uh, this one sat on the floor and it was in a huge huge, you know, by today's standards like if I brought that TV into my house now and stood it next to my fucking 4K 55 inch like it, I would be like who brought this 50 horsepower piece of shit into here? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like uh who's insulting me with this this 50 cc piece of shit um yeah you know but at the time like this huge the cabinet the wooden cabinet that it was in way bigger than the tv yeah like probably two or three times the size and had and i guarantee you had that tv died oh yeah that that big wooden cabinet would have just become the stand for the next tv oh yeah and uh, manually adjusting tracking on a VCR. Oh, yeah. You know. Oh, the good old days of tracking. Well, yeah. I think that's going to about do it for this week. Flashback Friday. Thanks for, uh, thanks for taking the time to record with me, buddy. Oh, dude, you know I love it. Uh, remember to follow Will on Twitter at WillWitten3. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you guys like our theme song, please support the band that was generous enough to let us use that music for our theme song. They are Stoned Cobra, and you can get their albums at on iTunes, on Spotify, or at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com. They're five bucks a piece. And if you ever get the chance to meet the guys from those band from that band, you will never find a cooler set of guys. You know. Just nice dudes, but still badass and gruff at the same time. They would be at home in most Eisley, but they would look out for you. They would like, uh, they'd be like the Bosheks of most Eisley. Like you'd go up to them and be like, "Hey, man, can I get a ride on your ship to Alderaan?" And they'd be like, "Man, I've had a few too many drinks here at the bar. Wooher's been pouring them up for me, but my buddy Hall Solo over there might give you a ride in his Millennium Corolla." <laughs> fucking Walter sitting next to me like Chewy. You go to play a little hollow chess in the Corolla with Walter and I'm like, mm, I wouldn't piss him off if you were, if, if I were you. Walters have been known to rip droids' arms out of their sockets. <laughs> Walters are known to do that. <laughs> Walters are known to do that. Fucking nicest cat on the planet and I say something stupid like that. Alright, um, well, I guess that's going to do it. So thanks for listening, everybody. Rate and review us on iTunes. I haven't said that lately. That helps other people that like uh, podcasts help uh, find us. 
Yes, sir. And uh, so we'll see you guys next week. Maybe we'll have a little more Star Wars news. We're 49 days out from Rogue One, so it's going to start coming in, guys. But uh, for Blue Harvest, a Star Wars podcast, I'm your host, Halls Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with all of you. May the Force be with us. <laughs> <laughs>